Facts of Faith with Nael Pondwana, 7 to 8 p.m. Welcome, you're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayel Upandwana, here on SFM, leading the conversation. We are continuing from where we left off. Last week, we left off rather abruptly because we had oh so much that we were talking about, and we could not conclude at a very, well, amicable conclusion. I say this because a lot was left hanging. Well, last week we were asking the question, can African traditions, African customs, African rites of passage and practices, can all those African practices coexist with Christianity? Christianity is allegedly, I say this allegedly, both tongue-in-cheek and quite frankly, with my hands on my hip, based on the text exclusively it is supposed to be exclusively based on the text but you do find Christians who allege that they don't have to be restricted to the text they would love to have more freedom and liberty to exercise their spirituality beyond the text and you find them including and using other teachings from other faiths such as in this case African customs used and done concurrently with Christian textual Hebraic customs. Last week we had three of our guests giving us very interesting nuggets of information and I'm going to read them to you in no particular order and then I'll introduce you to them when we come back from the break. Last week we spoke to Sibongile Mlangi, the producer and host of Initiating Insight with Sibongile that advocates for the freedom of the mind, social justice, reconciliation, peace and prosperity for all. She's spiritual. Well, that's what she says. Remember, for a few times when she we had Sibongile on the show, uh, she had been speaking under the banner of Christianity. But from last week, she had uh, unveiled a new a new spirituality that she has elevated herself to and she was saying now she is no longer chained no longer imprisoned no longer dictated to by the scriptures by any religion that was a very very interesting conversation to have so we thought we would continue with her as well. Also on the panel last week, we had Pastor Solomon Ashams. He's no stranger to the program as well. He's a journalist, a Christian activist, and director of Mercy. He's a support, Mercy by the way, is a support platform for those sexually abused within the church. Pastor Ashams also came through uncompromisingly so, saying you cannot mix the two. You can see some overlaps, but Overlaps should not confuse you to mean or to think that you can mix the two and his point proverbially wagging the finger is suggesting that you can marry in any form that you want to marry. If you're a Christian, however, you cannot claim to be doing an African wedding and in that wedding conjuring up other spirits other than the spirit of the God that you claim to be worshipping in the context of Christianity. A very interesting point there. And he had his thumb right there. And I thought, yes, we're going to have him as well to come and explain more about what he was talking about. He'll be joining us also this time around. Also was Bishop Maponga. We all know him. He is no stranger to the program. He's a fighter of spiritual colonialism and a cultural activist. And by title, he's a bishop, he's a pastor, his wife <laughs> calls him a bishop without borders. I love that when she said it. 
So he came in suggesting, quite frankly, the idea of restricting even Christianity to just the Eurocentric perspective or the Eurocentric way of looking at Christianity is just wrong. Because after all, we are engaging with this Christ from different cultural persuasions. Africans have their own way of engaging with this Christ and his way of doing things. Far Eastern people like the Chinese and the Indians have their own way of engaging with this Christ, this Yeshua, this Messiah and all these communities. Therefore, we cannot have the European monopolizing a way of engaging this Christ. Yes, Bishop Apollon coming through from the left and I thought yes we are going to have him as well so all three of our guests from last week we have merely transplanted them into this program to continue from where we left off to get some understanding about some of the things that they said and perhaps to explore a few more questions with them I'm Nayadu Pondwana this is Facts of Faith let's begin Here we go. Let me introduce you to our guests now. As I did say that we're going to be having them. Okay, my producer is still having them, getting them onto the line. Let me play you some of the clips of what happened last week so that you can hear the fire that was in the studio the last time we spoke to them. I'm going to begin. When, when, when I say what happened, I'm simply suggesting that we are going to listen to the last kicks of that show and then we're going to pick up from that conversation i think my first tension is having to even use the word christianity because the word christianity is a, is a noun for a movement which of christians uh, that means uh, these are the followers or disciples of christ as they were called for the first time uh, bible states in in the book of acts so there is no christianity without christ so when we speak of Christianity, I don't think we can talk about African Christianity and things like that. Perhaps we should call it religion or spirituality. The, 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 the way we use words that perhaps throw us off, because I believe that words ha uh, influence culture. That was just some of the things, one of the things that was said by Swogile and which led the Bishop Maponga to have to respond to clarify some of the points. However, in our conversation, he brought in another context, slightly sidestepping the context that Sibongile Mlangin was bringing. And I tried to push him to respond to her context. She raised the matter. I would have loved him to respond. We're going to give him the opportunity to respond. But she was not the only one who spoke last week. Listen to this. Actually, I'll make it more complicated. We have Hebrew Christianity of the Messianic Jews. We have Ethiopian Christianity, which is Orthodox. We have Roman Christianity, which is the mother of all Christianity. We have Anglican Christianity, that is British and Reformist. We have Reformation Christianity, which is Protestantism. We have Evangelical Christianity, and we also have Pentecostal Christianity. And now we have African, try, Africans trying to make sense of the six that I've mentioned above. If you're saying there's nothing called African Christianity, you're saying there's nothing called African. There's no way you can give people, you can meet people with a culture and expect them not to interpret their own reality, whether it is economic interpretation, political interpretation, or religious interpretation, right. or fashion interpretation, or academic interpretation. So human beings interpret culture. <laughs> yeah, he was hitting it back into a court and we did undertake that we're going to give the opportunity to respond to that even though I tried to ask him to respond to what she was saying but he was bringing another perspective that is important for us to understand and then we had Pastor Shams listen to this I don't think there is African Christianity or Jewish Christianity or any sort of Christianity I believe Christianity is one and we have to embrace Christianity as one. Okay. Uh, the beauty of Christianity is it brings different diversity of traditions, of cultures, of whatever, and try to refine them and make them better so we can function as humanity in a better way. Matthew 15, 2 to 6 says, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. So when we look at 
you know, Christianity from an African, from the African eye, we must ask ourselves about our tradition. And that was Pastor Shams, and he was not holding any punches himself. I enjoyed last week's program, but we did not manage to conclude it because we ran out of time. It's 16 minutes now after 7, so I'm going to try and push our guests to be as quick in their responses so that we can conclude this conversation to move on to other topics. Again, we do have them now on the line. Subongile Mlangiri, the producer and host of Initiating Insight with Subongile that advocates for the freedom of the mind, social justice, reconciliation, peace and prosperity for all. And she says she's spiritual. Subongile, good evening to you once again. Thank you for coming back and talking to us. To you, and also we do have Pastor Solomon Ashams, journalist. He's not only a journalist, he's a Christian activist and a director of Mercy. As I did say, Mercy is a support platform for those sexually abused within the church. Pastor Ashams, welcome back and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us again. Pleasure. Good to be back here. The pleasure is all mine, Pastor. Also, Bishop Joshua Ponga, a personal friend of mine, but he, he is a fighter of spiritual colonialism and a cultural activist. He's back again to respond. And to give us some perspective, Bishop, thank you for coming back, and we appreciate you coming through to talk to us. Am I still stuck with this guy? Hello, <laughs> <you know. laughs> go to sleep, Joshua, go to sleep. You cannot get rid of them that easily. <laughs> All right. Uh, nice to, they are both my friends, Ashom and Bongile. We, we know each other outside of this circle, so I don't think they will take offense. Right. Nice to have you guys. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Um, I want us to begin with uh, Pastor Shams. Pastor Shams, um, you seem to be holding a very comfortable middle ground there trying to sew these two together. And now I would like you to help us understand a few things before I go to uh, Oswangile and then the bishop. When we're talking about uh, Christian or Christianity, Christian faith in and by itself. This is a faith which Usbongila articulated very correctly that in Antioch, in the book of Acts, that's where they were given the name Christian. And that was referring to this Yeshua, this Messiah, this particular Messiah. How is it that we want to annex something that never had us in mind as African people? It was in Antioch in the Middle East. Why is it that we are so adamant to argue that Christianity can be African? What exactly do we mean by African Christianity if it never had Africans in mind to begin with? Well, you know, we have to look at Africans themselves and ourselves and seeing the, the history of the different religion and beliefs that we had had and how that has helped us emancipate us from uh, some of maybe our social, economical injustices or social, economical uh, backwardness. Uh, and when Christianity in itself, you know, if you look at the Christianity of Christianity outside of Antioch, Africa was very much involved with Ethiopia, Sudan very much involved, you know, so we can, in as much as, Involved in what, Pastor? Historically, they were, historically was involved. So involved we, we in had, what? I understand. We had Christ himself spending time in Africa. So yes. we we would acknowledge that him spending time, Mary and Joseph and and people at that point yeah. had that belief that was that came into Africa before they went back, and 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 and. Uh, Definitely, it influences us. And then we have to also look at the Ethiopian eunuch. But he never um, preached. We can go to the eunuch just in a moment there, Pastor. But he yeah. never preached his gospel in Africa. When he was whisked away to Egypt after his birth, it, there is no record that suggests that when he was in Egypt, he then says, yes, my African brothers, here is the gospel I was born to deliver. It seems as though his time in Africa was, as is today, blotted out of history. He was just recorded to have been whisked away in hiding in Africa, in Egypt, and then later on brought back when he was an adolescent or perhaps in his post-adolescent times. How how do you then reference Africa as time as a time where Christ was here as though there's any relevance to him coming to Africa? Well, I'm not trying to say Christ preached in Egypt. 
he was too young to do that. So I never really said that, and I'm not standing on that. But I'm not even looking at Jesus Christ himself when he came into Egypt, but I'm looking at his family. His mother, Mary, Joseph, they had an encounter with God, a different encounter from the usual one based on their experiences and, and their... What is the relevance of that encounter, Bishop? Uh, mm. Sorry? What is the relevance of that encounter? The relevance of that encounter is they were, they were, uh, they were aware what Christ, at least they, they had an idea what Christ, their son, you know, how he was conceived and, and the message that he was going to carry. All right. I'm, I'm so asking. there was that knowledge. And for them coming into Egypt as a family, there, is, there was interaction. So we know there was interaction. They stayed for a little bit. And there was interaction. So obviously they had shared, you know, with people. You know, they had, they, they had kind of like expressed themselves. This is what we're going through and all that kind of stuff. But and their there, there revelation no, of their no, own faith. There is no text and to how, support that. And how they, what the role that their son was going to play. No, no, so, Pastor. There's so no if text. we go back to Antioch, yes, it wasn't Christ that called them. It was people that saw this certain group of people behaving and being like Christ, Jesus, who was crucified, started calling them Christians. And we acknowledge that. But for us to get to a place where we say, again, where we say there is an African-type Christianity, I wouldn't want to say Christianity as Christianity, but when we begin... Maybe we say Christianity as practiced by Africans. Okay. Christianity as practiced by Europeans. You wanted to bring in the Ethiopian there. I'm assuming you're referring to the Ethiopian that was uh, taught the Bible and he did not even understand it. Exactly. And he was baptized. Yes. So what, what point were you making about that? I'm trying to make the point that when he had that encounter... He never understood it, but there was some sort of teaching and clarity that came on him, and he acknowledged it, received it by faith, and he was baptized. What does and that have he, to do with African Christianity as a term, as a reference? Surely sorry? African Christianity has absolutely nothing with the Ethiopian. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm saying, again, I want to... I, want, I, don't want to, I wouldn't want to call it African Christianity. <laughs> I would want to call it Christianity as practiced by Africans. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bishop, um, would you like to jump in here? Because I'm, I'm, I'm really... I'm trying to find a, a polite word, and I don't want to use the word I would have used if you and I were just sitting, talking together. I'm really worried about this excitement of Africans who want to take something that makes no reference to them. I totally understand if we are going to say we are talking about something that is of Middle Eastern origin and we are adopting it. We are then becoming of Middle Eastern cultural persuasion. But the moment we're going to morph it and make it an African thing, and yet in, it very, in its very text, there is no mention or relevance to Africa, it slightly bothersome. Kindly help me there, Bishop. Maybe to, to start on the, on the more common ground, we need to establish the context of the text before we can start talking about interpretation of that text. And by context, we are talking to the geography of the biblical text. We're talking to the ethnicity of the biblical text. We're talking to the original culture and people to which the text was given. So that in the midst of you trying to understand Chinua Achebe, I just got his book the other day. Someone stole my copy. I just bought another copy on Friday. Which book Things is this? Fall apart. Oh. Things Fall Apart. Yeah. If you, want, if you want to appreciate that text, Things Fall Apart, you may need just to brush up to understand your Nigerian history. Yeah. When they are talking about cola, you know, chewing cola. When they are talking about palm wine when they are talking about all those beautiful uh, linguistic and cultural idioms that are included in the text. I think Ashom, coming from Nigeria, reads that book much faster with, with quick reference, to such an extent that he does not even need to reference what is color, what is, what is chewing color, yeah. what is palm wine, what is what, because those actually happen to be part of his history. Now, when you come to any text which needs interpretation, 
we always say in theology and in hermeneutics in particular, it is important, of paramount importance, for anyone who wants to interpret the text to understand the context, or else you will make a pretext. Pretext is when you are making judgments on the text that are not found on the text. The European, therefore, and the Asia, they must know that they don't have the geographical location. The system led them in Germany. They don't have the, 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 the rivers that are spoken. They don't have the culture that is spoken. They don't have polygamy that is spoken. They don't have Ethiopia that is spoken. They don't have Kush that is spoken. They don't understand the culture of the text itself. So that when you hear the Bible says, saying something, you need to understand that even if the New Testament does not mention certain things, but the cultural background from which the text is written. So I want to argue first that the Bible that the Europeans took to from Ethiopia, which is 800 years younger than the Ethiopian Bible, was then adulterated with the European culture. In when they took marriage, the dogma of marriage becomes monogamous. The dogma of marriage, according to the Bible, is not necessarily specific. Boy, much can say Adam and Eve, but read through that chapter. You might find that polygamy is in practice. When you talk about myths and foods and diets and fashion, places of women and power and war and all these things, before you can start to interpret and say, the Bible here is saying, the Bible here is saying, hold on a little bit, go back to the context. Then when you are clear with the context, you can begin interpretation. So I refuse when Europeans take a black text and then they want to adulterate it with their own dogma, their own theories, and their own worldviews and they write them as doctrines, and then force them on the African back to say, this is what the Bible says, when the Bible does not say that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that uh, as, as, as a foundation, Bishop, but that still does not help us understand how you would assume a text that was written exclusively for the Hebrew and then later on the Jew, and then you're going to make it an African document. How? I would, on the basis of its historicity, on the basis of Egypt, on the basis of Ethiopia, on the basis of Kush, on the basis of the Nile River, on the basis of the Euphrates River, on the basis of Palestine, on the basis of Iraq and Iran, which are actually North Africa, on the basis of its geography. We cannot therefore begin to argue that when I'm writing about Kola, Kola, Nath, and Palm wine, and I'm in India, then you say the text is actually an Indian text. It's the history of the text itself. Is not, you will hear nothing about Britain, America, and, and Europe in the text, except the Gentiles that Paul wants to visit in the book of Rome. But the entire text does not give reference to Eurocentrism. It is actually situated and located within an Afrocentric environment. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure if that will be scripturally accurate there, Bishop, because we do find that in its older text, the Old Testament, as you would call it, we do find that the life is not only in the Middle East. It goes into the Far East and to Europe. And when we're speaking of Medopasia, when you're talking about the Medes and the Persians, we were talking about the guys that took them over. These are not Africans when they were taken if into you captivity. Can, if you that's can not Africa. Let all the passages that are speaking to the Medes and the Persians, etc., as compared to the adulterated 66 books. The illustrations you are using of the myths and the patients would not account even for more than 5%, if not 10% at most, of the text. The rest of the 90%, you may need to agree with me that it is an African text, for saying the least. Um, no, you want, we can go on that route. We, we, we can, perhaps. We'll have to invite you to talk to us, talk us through how African text, the Bible, is. because again, We can start as good as Genesis. As good as Genesis. Yes. The Bible says God created a, a garden east of Eden. Now, if the Bible says east of Eden, it does not say he created the Garden of Eden. He created a garden east of Eden. The question is, where is Eden? It is where the river Nile begins. On the other side is Gihon. On the other side is Euphrates and there is Rhine. Look for the geography of those rivers. Tell me if they are in Mid-Ophasia. Tell me if those rivers are in America, in Europe, or in France. Unfortunately, in the mention of those rivers there, Bishop, it mentions no inhabitants of these people, as you're suggesting right now, people who are in, inhabiting the If I uh, the, say the Nile, I crossed like the river Egypt. Nile and I was in the river Niger, for you to argue that Nigerians are living around the river, then you don't know the Niger Delta. No, 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 <laughs> no, not at all, Bishop. I want you to understand exactly where I'm coming from. I'm suggesting that if you're going to talk about the river Nile, 
You're talking about all the countries, beginning with Egypt, going down, that have been at re- have received uh, repositories because there from were the no River Nile. Colonial Naya. borders then don't I, exist. I understand. There were no colonial borders. I have no problem with that, Bishop. But again, when we're talking about the protagonists and the people that are mentioned in these texts, they merely are sojourners in these countries and these rivers that you're mentioning. The very people that are spoken of in the text don't seem to have any African descent in it. They are not having their heritage in Africa. I want to suggest that Ashom helps me on this one and introduce us to the Hebrew nations that are in Nigeria and the practices that they do. If he's well versed with his history, he can actually take us through. For you to understand that they are not sojourners. You actually have the Hebrew tribes in Nigeria who are still practicing the Torah to the tree, blowing their horns and having temples there. I've done my research on that. All right. Like I said, we'll probably have to invite you to talk about the Africanness of the Bible. Because when you talk about us, our people, Amaklosa, Amatrubi, you'll discover that there are some uh, sediments of Hebraic culture there. But that's something for anthropologists and all of that. I want to bring in Swongile. Swongile, you threw the spanner in the works here. And I thought perhaps you mm-hmm. might want to respond to what the bishop was suggesting. That in actual fact, though this did not or when we're talking about Yeshua and Christianity being attributed to Yeshua, it was a matter of a Jewish boy, a Jewish man turned 33, died at 33. It still is a religious persuasion that has been adopted by many communities and has been embraced by many communities, and you cannot extract or remove those people from their practice. Pastor Shams is saying it is Christianity as practiced by Africans, and you heard the bishop there suggesting that you have various permutations of this Christianity. Your response? Naya, I still stand by my point from last week. Um, the word Christianity for me, as it is, it, 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 it talks to everything. If you're going to talk to me about Christianity, then you're talking about Christ. And there's one Christ. So how the Romans or the Jews or the Hebrews interpret him, but there's just one Christ. And this Christ does not speak to me as an African, as packaged in the Bible. Now, the other thing for me is that um, you have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. And this Jesus, Yeshua, <clears throat> this Jesus Christ is packaged there in the New Testament. And, and that package for me is a tension, is a crisis. It does not speak to me at all because it then changes my identity. I mean, this this guy is rejected by his own, the text tells me, and then is rejected by his own, and then he comes to me, now Mina, I must receive him. To those who have received him, they have been given the right to be called the children of God. Okay, so now not only he's rejected by his own, he comes to me, he doesn't know me, I don't know him, but I must receive him. And I mean, he's rejected by his own. So I'm doing him a favor. About, Let's so now he must change my identity now. That's my crisis right there, Naya, about I'm, Christ. Honestly, so there, there can never, for me, there can never be African Christianity. Let's, let's African engage with spirituality. that. Let, let's, 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 let's engage with that. And I, and I totally understand where you're coming from. But I, I, mm. I'm struggling with a few things that you are saying uh, to beef up your argument. For example, mm. if you're going to say that because it originated with this Jewish man, Yeshua, therefore it cannot be African, that argument would be very, very painful for you to respond to when we're applying that very same argument to other things. I'll give you an example. We have what we call African fabrics today, African cloth, African materials. But the truth of the matter is, in Africa, we never had a loom, that device that is used to put together cotton and all of those to, so that we can point have of a correction, Point of correction, Naya. No, 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 Hold on, hold on. Hold on. In, Uganda, in Uganda, they were making cloth out of bucks of trees. In Mali, the cloth I'm putting on right now, the cloth I'm putting on, they're not from America. 
They are not from Britain. They are cotton from the village that is weaved by women. Exactly. On exactly. Stick to make to make fabric. The European comes and steals that technology and makes exactly. it out of it. Mm-hmm. And the cotton that they are using is robbed from Africa. Uh, so it's our material. Um, I have, I have including re- the cars, I, I wanna, including the cell phones. Uh, okay. It's stolen okay. material. Hold, hold, it's stolen hold. material that is recycled. Okay. I want us to go back to the actual origins of the loom. While we may get a loom and then mm-hmm. we can use our own cotton to formulate and put together these fabrics, that does not mean that we invented the loom. What we I'm did. saying... What we I'm, did. Maybe, maybe let's do another study on the oldest looms that are in the world. I'll give you a quick one. The Chinese are good at looming. Indians are good at looming. Africans are good at looming. And the oldest civilization being that of Cyprus in Egypt. Actually, the original looming stations are found right here in Africa, as ancient as Ethiopia and etc. Cloth has not been a problem, except for the nomadic tribes that were using skin. What I want but to, to do a full African study, we need to look at Africa, al as a holistic picture. The fact that people don't eat uh, Uputu in, in Nigeria does not mean that they're not African. Again, I want to say this very clearly, and I'm going to invite you again, Bishop, again, for us to have this conversation, because when you speak to paleoanthropologists, the people who actually are more learned than I am, they will tell you the actual oldest loom in the world. And the etymology of the even word loom is not African. While I am one of those protagonists on fighters for what is originally African, unfortunately, as far as the loom is concerned, we have been told it is not an original device from Africa. We may have used it and excelled in it, but again, I'm very happy to invite you. And then we have a paleoanthropologist who's going to be in the studio who's going to give us the history of all these things that are African or not African. But the point that I wanted to bring to the fore is that when we're speaking of things that are supposed to be African, we cannot say, and I'm bringing bring this to Swangil, uh, uh, that when something has been taken from another place, it can never be adapted to be in another place. We know this. It has happened with looms, as we've just had a conversation right now with botany. We have taken a lot of greenery from other places and planted them here in Africa. The question that I wanted to ask you is, are you therefore going to reject a particular fruit purely because it originated elsewhere? Are you going to stop eating it and call it foreign because it was uh, originated elsewhere? Are you going to stop using certain kinds of grass, like Canada Green, for example, purely because it was imported into this land? Is your rejection of Christianity purely because it was imported and therefore things that are imported cannot and should not and are therefore not African? Is that your argument, ma'am? I think given my tension is that everything originated in Africa. There is nothing that was imported <laughs> to Africa. <laughs> okay. And then Ukraine's uh, Diana um, was imported. And, and, and like I said, uh, even last week, my problem is that then I receive him and then he tells me how to do things. How I must worship my God. Remember, but with respect, um, ma'am, you're contradicting yourself right God. now. Hold on, ma'am. You, you just Christ, you're saying now no, everything. No, 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 no. You're Let saying everything originated from Africa, but Christ was, did not originate from Africa. Do you want to clarify that? No, 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 my <laughs> man. I'm saying Christ as packaged. Yes, as packaged. Remember, I mean, I'm talking about the package, okay. the Christianity, okay. as it were. Yeah. So that's the package I'm talking about. I'm talking about this Christ that comes and says you lose your identity, and you know. I'm not talking about Yeshua, Ben Pender. I'm not talking about Yeshua. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Oh. So, um, yes. So you so, you accept um, Yeshua and his teachings. You reject Jesus. Yeah? You You accept Yeshua yes, and his Jesus. teachings. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You, you Jesus, reject Jesus. Jesus Christ, no, no, oh, no. And, 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 and uh, there's God. And now Jesus tells me how I must worship God. Okay, this is this conversation is taking a different conversation line now. So now you accept Yeshua, but Jesus is a different story. You don't want to accept Jesus. Okay, all right. I'm gonna just give you another opportunity to, to clarify a few more points after the break. So we're gonna just just stand by. SAFM Prime Time all day long.
Welcome back. You're still listening to uh, Facts of Faith. We're taking your calls on 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207. We're taking your voice notes also on WhatsApp, 0891-104-207, on the landline, 0614-104-107, 0614-104-107, on the WhatsApp line, and on Facebook and Twitter, we're as SFM Radio, at SFM Radio, and the hashtag is SFM Facts of Faith. So, Bongil, I wanted to just uh, give you the opportunity to clarify another point that you said there, that this this Christ, this Jesus now changes your identity. Clarify that. What do you mean by well, he changes your identity? Um, so, I'm an African. I have my African traditions and customs. And Jesus comes and tells me, Guti, I can no longer... Ad- um, uh, Practice my traditions and customs. We we talked about it last week. Yeah, we so, agreed that he never um, said that. And that's the problem that I, that I'm saying I have. But Jesus never said that. Mm? Jesus never said that. There is no text that would ever quote that says Jesus says you must stop practicing your own cultures. <laughs> the Jesus I have yes. first he says uh, there's his blood. Yes, his blood flows. Therefore, I no longer have to slaughter goats, cows, and whatever to speak to God. Yes. So that's one. Yeah. What about you that? know? That that that's one. That's one of the things that's African for me that I cannot do when I when I have Jesus. I cannot be commuting communicating with my ancestors when I have Jesus because he is you know, the mediator between me and God. Okay. Are you, are you and able yet to... I have to have a personal relationship with God, but there's a mediator between me and God, but I have a personal relationship with God. Are you able to communicate with your ancestors now, ma'am? Yes. Can you describe that communication? <sighs> I was hoping you wouldn't go there. I saw you asking me this question, Naya. That's like the beautiful suit you are wearing today. Say that again, ma'am. <laughs> Just like the what? The beautiful suit you are wearing today. Ah, you were listening. Oh, I was wondering that you were listening. I heard, I heard from the previous exactly. speaker. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so, 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 I communicate uh, with my ancestors through dreams. Dreams. Dreams, and I would dream, and, oh. and, and, and my grandmother or my grandfather or my uncle or my aunt or my mother, and they will tell me things, things that I will see happen. Yeah. Okay. They tell me things that have happened and why things happened the way they did. Yes. All right. All right. I want to take some calls for you, and I want to go through some voice notes. Last week, we never got the chance to bring in the calls. The voice would appear as though if we don't give them the chance now, we might run out of time before I go on with my questions. Go to the calls first. We will have a caller in Cape Town. Colin, good evening. Good evening, Noya. Hi, Colin. Hey, be careful. You, you'll burst a vessel one of these nights. <laughs> <laughs> Noya. Yes, yes, Colin. Um, partly the question was answered in Antioch, the word Christian. Now, I would like your three guests to write that word down, Christian. Okay, just mm. write it down. Yes. The first six letters, and I'll tell him what the last, six, uh, last three uh, letters stand for. Um, ancestors, there's nobody mediating between yourself when you pray to God. It's only you and God. So there's no such thing as ancestors. The only ancestors that you can think of if you call the ancestor is if you... Christ, Jesus said this, come to me if you want to go to the Father, through me. So there's nobody on this earth that passed away, that you can talk to, that can mediate with you and speak to God. What if, what if it was an evil person you are calling up, an uh, ancestor, and God wants nothing to do with that person? So, it's between you and God. Now, But you need, uh, you need to ad- understand the point that she's raising there. Yes, she is raising the issue that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No yeah, one yeah. comes to the Father except through me. That's a text mm. uh, that comes stark in view when she says but now why do i need him why can't i go to god why do i need this christ to go to god 
Okay, the last three letters are uh, right down the word Christian. I and nothing. Christ. Eh? <laughs> okay. Without Christ, I am nothing. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. All right. Bye. Cheers. Thank you very much, uh, Colin. Appreciate it. Let's go to the voice notes, shall we? And then we're going to... Do, okay, let's go to Sakile first. Sakile is in KZN. Good evening, Sakile. Hello, guys. How are you? I'm all right, Sakile. How are you? Yes, okay. I'm, I feel like the, the bishop there is being ideological and trying to Africanize an, an un-African text. Because what goes on on practice and what is written on the text are just two different things. I, I was a Christian myself. You know, these African things that we do are discouraged in the church. I mean, you, you move from one church to another, these things are discouraged. Like, like, like what? what? Come on now, you know our traditions. You go to panda, your slaughtering and everything. These things are discouraged but, but in the, the, in the, the church. I, I wanted you, you to mention them, Sakile, because when you go to the Christian Bible, actually those things are mentioned right there. The slaughtering is mentioned right there. The incense is burnt right there, actually in the holy place there. All the use of alcohol is mentioned right there in their text. So I'm not quite sure what you mean when you say it is discouraged because the actual text, which holds more authority than the people, does not discourage. Actually, it mentions that the origins of it all was the slaughtering of these animals and also the use of the incense and also the use of alcohol and so forth and so forth. Exactly, I understand that, you know, in the text. That's why I'm saying it is there in the text. But on practice, the latter is true, now. The latter is true. It doesn't happen like that. On practice, when people are interpreting these scriptures, I don't know where they find these things. Our pastors, and, and they just, Say the opposite of what you're saying. Okay. And they this thing. Okay. So, so I don't know how we are going to find Bishop Mafonga's, um in South Africa and we, we, people like they, they go to them, you know, to Africanize these uh, these scriptures because, well, they are not African. When you say Africanize, what do you mean? Well, to try and and, and as, as Bishop Mafonga says, we must people must um, interpret. You know, the scriptures with their reality. That is Africanizing something that is not African. Why why do we have to interpret um scriptures that were that that narrate the stories that happened in the Middle East? Don't African have their own myths and stories that they can tell? Okay. All right. All yeah. right. All right. Well have them respond. Bishop, I'm hoping you're writing that down. Let's go to Sydney. Uh, uh Sydney is in is, what is that, Arkenhook? Oh, brother, nice. So it's me, Sydney, deliver in Akonopushpakrish. Yes, Sydney, go ahead. Yeah, yes, my take. Brother, I to a mother there in studio, whom you are with, mother there in studio. Yes. I think it's better if she don't generalize the way we interpret Jesus Christ here on Mother Continent Africa. She must just say I, representing herself. She must not generalize because when she say I, and when she say we, as Africans, she includes me. And the way she interprets Jesus Christ, it is not the way I, I, I interpret Jesus Christ in my own personal life. I have the relationship a bond with him, Jesus Christ. If she doesn't have a relationship bond with him, Jesus Christ, she must just represent herself. She must not generalize because in these religious issues, we must make them use we, we, brother, to say I, I. That it represents you. You cannot represent. The way she interprets Christ, it is time for herself. I'm a black African. And I've accepted Christ Jesus, and it is for me. And I cannot say we or others. I represent self myself. She must be the same. Sydney, she must represent self. I, I understand your objection there. Perhaps you could also try to understand where she is coming from. When she speaks, she's not only speaking for herself, but the group of people that she congregates with. So it is yeah, not amiss yeah. for it, it is not amiss for her to say we because there is a group of people that she assembles and congregates with that share her views. Oh. So okay, to object to her saying we would be us restricting her speech and we don't want to oh. do that, do we? Okay, I honor that if she interpret herself and the, and those whom she congregates with, yeah. she must also indicate that myself and those who I congregate with, because myself Sydney, I believe in Christ and those I congregate okay. with, I I have a belief that we are in a common belief. Yeah. So the the general is if all Africans we interpret Christ the way she is, so she must 
identify herself, a group, whoever she must indicate. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Sydney. Appreciate Thank you. Your call. Thank all you. right. All right. Um, let us remember that as we speak, we are speaking with all our liberties, civil liberties, fully intact, especially on this show. And we are not going to curtail anyone's liberty of faith, conscience, or association. So I totally understand the need for us to be as specific and accurate as possible. But also, we cannot, in our pursuit for accuracy and specificity, to limit and curtail people's liberties. So I totally understand. I'm hoping you understand his point there, Spongilene. Yeah, no, no, I do, okay. absolutely. Got it, got it. Bishop, I want you to respond yeah, to what was... has it for you. <laughs> eh? Religion has it for you. <laughs> yes, Most people are pronounced, Papa. I understand. Don't worry, Naya. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bishop, um, you're Afri- are you Africanizing the, the, the Bible? The, the, difference, the difference between maybe me and many of my theological friends, we needed to identify the, the, the mischief that the Caucasian has done on the text. And as you rightfully put it, throwing away the baby in the water might be slightly detrimental for the effect that if we don't understand what I might want to call sacred writings, and sacred writings, maybe it is an ongoing conversation. It's not all conclusive. With the Book of the Dead, for example, which is in Egypt, which encapsulates and also holds the 42 laws of Ma'at and many other principles, which later on the Bible seems to extrapolate and uh, is written on. The issues around scholarship must be put and left to scholarship. The issues around Africanicity and uh, you know decolonization must be spoken by the modern young men. And the issues of pastoring and telling people to accept Jesus. And I can make to an extent I want to agree with what Bogle is saying. Does this Jesus have such a low self-esteem that he wants to be accepted? Which parent must be accepted? <laughs> what, what is his obsession about worshipping Jesus okay. and, and accepting him as your Lord and Savior? If he is, if he is your father, tell me now, have you accepted your father? Do you need a ceremony? To accept your father. Okay. So I, to extend what Bongle is saying, I, I, I agree. Now hear her. Okay. That's where she's coming from. Uh, that she's actually arguing from the perspective of the interpretation of the homiletic of the colonial preacher who then comes here and says, for you to accept Jesus. But the messianic concept, Mandela was a savior, for example. Lumumba is a savior, for example. It's a messiah. All right. Oh. Mugabe is the Messiah. It, so when you begin to look at the word Messiah, it simply means the one who leads these people away from colonialism and oppression. I want to take some voice notes. I want to bring in uh, Pastor Shoms because um, I'd like to hear his take on what is happening now. It seems as though the, the water has been muddied. And I'd like to hear his take now if he still holds what he held at the beginning of the program. Let's go to the voice notes first. Evening again, Naye. Usbongile, uh, I think listening, Ndimva, uh, how I hear her and understand is that her rejection of a Christianity is when it was introduced to her, it, uh, it, it, it sort of sought to institu- institutionalize life, living, how we interact with nature, how we interact with other people. Uh, with life as a, with life and in life with the universe as a whole maybe that's where she's coming from and now she's finding it difficult to maneuver her daily living because she has to live according to this book all right please don't forget when you're sending those voice notes to send tell us what's your name and where you're sending your voice note from it would be nice to know who you are and where you're talking from Good evening. Uh, yes, we can to see Bishop here. Yes. Uh, yes, I really think there is uh, African Christianity, if that's what we're going to call it. Okay. Remember, uh, Africa was the only continent where people didn't know how to read and write, so it didn't have a name. So if we're going to call it African Christianity, let it be unlike other religions where they knew long time how to read and write, then they gave it a name, whether Christian, whether Buddhism. Uh, uh, Islamic and so forth so African Christianity it is because that's what we believed in we believed in ancestors we believed in uh, uh, a lot of stuff that uh, some some of them are there in the uh, in the Bible 
for an example, Ten Commandments, we had it also in our African Christianity. It's just that it was never written anywhere. We knew that you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't do adultery, you shouldn't lie, and so forth. So yes, let's call it African Christianity and let's be proud of it and practice it. Thank you. All right, all right. You might find some slightly differing with you as far as the writing issue because, again, we do have some writings way back then in, what, 3200 BC when we see the Sumerians and the Egyptians doing some writing there. So perhaps you might slightly, slightly correct there, but I totally understand where you're coming from, sir. I know. Just to comment on Spongile's um, uh, um, contributions. I agree with her, and I, I even like the part of the dreams that she's bringing in now. There are some people who want us to reject even these things of dreams, saying, no, it's part of cleansing and whatnot and whatnot, and the ancestors are not there, they are devils and whatnot. So, like, it makes us lose our identity, and those are the things that we can easily identify with because the ancestors are the people that we know, and we believe that they are the mediator between us and God. So, shoot, Spongile. <laughs> shoot, Spongile. <laughs> All right, we're going to play one last one, one more voice note. We're going to conclude and give Pastor Shams the parting shot. Go ahead. Good evening, Nahye. Good evening, also. SAFM listeners, I want to quote John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son Jesus for the entire world. That includes all nations of the world, including African nations. Jesus is not just for the Jews, Jesus is for all nations, for the entire world, including African nations as well. Thank you so much. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Pastor Shams, uh, do you still hold that perhaps we should make this text and all these customary practices exclusively the Christianity and the Africanness? Yeah, I, I, not, not really. For me, I think we... I see and I hear more of a cultural tension, much more than uh, a, a tension of, of faith. You know, uh, we say African, and then we say African, then you're going to have European or you're going to have Asian. And we're still, it seems like we're trying to decide and, and, and accept or say that our own culture, our own African spirituality is superior to the other. What I see when I read the Bible again is the Bible the text in the Bible, the scriptures, affirm my Africanness, who I am as an African, you know, and it helped me to filter whatever is not really beneficial to me and to All the right. community. Pastor, we must look at the Bible. Let, let's leave it right the there. My time is up. For, for, sorry for that, Pastor. My time is up to all of you, Pastor Shams, Bishop Maponga, and Smongadam Langin. To you and from the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed. <laughs>